What's going on, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today on the show, I have the CMO of BlockPow, Sashant Trivadi, on the show. And we talk at length about how to grow a global organization, a startup, but how to do it through an interesting way of hiring. So I love the problem that they're solving at BlockPow, and I also love how they're growing their team. So I think if you are looking to grow your team, you're in a fast-paced environment, this would be something, an episode that you are really going to enjoy. But before we get into it, as always... This episode is brought to you by Cave Social. We're an agency in LA that helps companies with their social strategy and content creation. So if you're feeling stuck, need a little help on the social media, head over to cavesocial.com, hit that contact us. We'd love to chat. All right, sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me from my hometown is the CMO at BlockPal, Sushant Travati. How you been today? Doing well. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to have you here, and I'm excited to talk about a couple of things, you know, really what BlockPal is doing, also how you are thinking about innovation in your space, but also innovation as a whole and, and really having that get motivated into teams so everybody knows the why and everyone's pushing forward. But before we get any further, I want to pass the mic to you to hear your story. Walk me through your career journey to date and what brought you to BlockPal. Yeah, sure. It's a very interesting story. You know, it a good chunk of my life, as well as my approach towards funny enough innovation, has always been of a serendipity. I went down, my undergrad was in finance and economics, and I became an accidental marketer where a professor told me to actually, you know, take part in a bunch of strategy business competitions and stuff like that. And I, I really liked him, so I took a bunch of marketing classes, uh, ended up working in management consulting for a bit, and then I moved to Procter & Gamble, so, which is, and I moved from Vancouver to Toronto. And it was fantastic. I worked in everything from just regular local Canadian marketing to uh, spending time in sales, working on you know mergers, retail merger negotiations. It was just a great experience. And then a friend of mine came knocking and said, "Hey, can you come to Boston and work at Gillette?" And I said, "Absolutely." And I worked at you know global strategy, innovation, business model reinvention, advertising, uh, led a large PNL for North America as well. While I was there, I actually created a product. I'm the co-founder of a product called Gillette Trio which ended up winning Time Magazine's Innovation of the Year. And it was a great experience. And then uh, the company asked me to move to Cincinnati, Ohio, to work at DNG Ventures, which is a startup studio within Procter & Gamble, with a key mandate of identifying the next billion-dollar category for Procter & Gamble. I did that, and then you know, COVID hit. It was a good time to come back home to Vancouver after being away for so long, for over a decade. And then we just, you know, my wife and I decided to you know, stay here, and I got the opportunity with BlockPal, which is a, uh, it's in the fintech space. And I always knew I wanted to work in the technology space. And so after working at a big company in B2C, now I'm working at a mature startup in the B2B space. So it's definitely been an interesting career so far. We worked across the spectrum at Procter & Gamble and now working as a CMO of BlockPal, which has been fantastic so far. How's that been going from a massive organization in BNG having... Massive budgets, you know, for the most part, relative yeah, to yeah, startups. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you know, you're not worried about your burn rate as much when you're at Procter & Gamble, where when you get into a startup, now it's a lot more nimble. So has that been, yeah, just, I guess, how has that adjustment been now getting into, you know, the startup world? Yeah, sure. You know, I was working in sales and I was at an, 
I was in a meeting with the CEO of one of the largest retailers in North America, his senior executive team. And they once asked me, they're like, how do you talk about toilet paper, tampons, and toothpastes so diligently? Like, how do you have such in-depth knowledge about all these three various categories? Because usually you got to trade off between depth and breadth. And I said, you know, as soon as you understand the business model of, of a particular category, uh, how it functions, the consumer needs, the consumer pain points, it doesn't matter then what, what part of the business you're working on. And so for me, moving from, of course, moving from you know, CPG into fintech, there was definitely a learning curve. But if you always look to learn the fundamentals, what's the consumer problem you're looking to solve? How can your product or technology help alleviate that? How do your fundamentals on pricing and promotion, all of that kind of get, is getting right? You know, what are the trial barriers? If you understand those fundamental questions, it honestly doesn't matter what you're working on. And so that, I think, has always held true for me. And as far as working for a big, large corporation to, a, of course, a much smaller corporation, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. The pros and cons to everything. When you're working at a big company, you're always envious about the agility, the lack of bureaucracy, the speed of a smaller company. When you're in a smaller company, you start missing the processes and the systems and the structure that a big company has got. So the important thing is to be cognizant of the fact that there's always something working in your favor. There's always something that you can improve upon. And I think if you have that mindset and try to bring the best of both worlds, just try to make yourself and your company and your organization better every single day, uh, that's, you know, that's going to be my philosophy from the very beginning. And so that's, that's what's helped my transition as well. I love that. Water the grass where you're at. You know, and it's one of those things where taking those learnings from PNG and being like, okay, hey, we need some better systems here for our marketing. Okay, here's what I think we can do. We're going to take the same principles around thinking and deploy them with our own internal system to our own problem or struggle or thing that we're trying to get through. I think that's so beneficial to like, and I think you made a really great point on that it's a trade-off, right? Everything is a trade-off and the grass will always be greener. Cool. So that leads you to BlockPop. Now, before we get into the company itself, just give me the elevator pitch. What is, you know, what does BlockPal do? Yeah. So BlockPal is a Canadian-based fintech company with global operations. Uh, we've got employees in, in multiple countries, in Europe, in Asia, and North America. And we've got live operations in India, Mexico, and in, in Canada, as well as the U.S., a huge part of our technology is actually enabling those that are underbanked or underserved and providing financial technology to bring them into formal ecosystem, financial ecosystem, essentially providing banking-like solutions to a large part of the market, the population that has largely been ignored by traditional institutions. So, you know, whether we're looking at 900 million unbanked or underserved people in India, you know, whether we're talking about a high cash-based population in Mexico, or even talking about the indigenous community in Canada over here closer to home. You know what, Jordan, you and I consider normal every single day, having financial services on the, at, the, at our fingertip is a luxury for many people around the world. And it's not just the few hundred thousand people I'm talking about, I'm talking about hundreds of millions of people. And I think it's the role of technology and the role of innovation that can not just be good for business, but be good for the broader community as well. So as you go to, you know, for lack of a better term, democratize financial services, right? To the market at massive scale, like you said, not, not 10,000, 20, hundreds of millions of people. I guess w- walk me through, because it is really like it's category creation too, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. When it's been so underserved, like, yes, it's I, to your point, it's been around forever for privileged first world of countries, but it is almost category creation in some of these places, right? So 
Walk me through, I guess, some of the challenges with penetration, right? And I know you're B2B. Are you looking for partners in these countries to help really facilitate growth? And let's take India, for instance, right? If we look at it's a massive amount of people who are underserved with regards to financial services. What does penetration look like when you look at that marketplace? Yeah, so first of all, just you know, the BlockPass business model is very different, right? What makes us unique is the fact that we're a vertically integrated company. So we are part of the entire value chain. So we're not a supplier, a vendor of technology. We're actually a partner and owner of the company in which you operate. You've got a majority stake in operations in India and a quite a significant stake in our operations in Mexico and in Canada. So we always operate with a very strong sense of ownership and the fact that this is you know, our business in partnership with our, our local partner, as opposed to being just a vendor supplier. And I think that's been our secret sauce and our, you know, what's gotten off to a really good start. Overall, you know, and I also want to, you know, mention one point, Jordan, you mentioned that, you know, it's a first world thing. In my honest opinion, this is not a developed versus developing world conversation. This is a underbanked and a underserved community versus a fully served luxurious market like you and me. You'll be surprised, Jordan, at the number of people right here in the US and in Canada who don't have access to capital, who don't have like access to technology, who are still playing, paying exorbitant interest rates the loan sharks. So what we think are practices that only exist in maybe Latin America, in Asia or Africa is happening right here closer to us as well. And BlockPass is looking to solve that. And we honestly don't look at it as a developer, as a developing world conversation at all. That's good context and helps me understand too, right? To see like, it's just looking at the folks around the world who are underserved when it comes to, to banking and say, okay, how can you go through and give them a solution? Now, one of the things that intrigues me, you talked about, you own it vertically integrated, but having a company that is global, right? And a mission that is global. But you also said something really important there about like having that ownership mentality, right? Walk me through, I guess, some of the challenges, but also some of the things that you think are really the backbone of the company when it comes to leading, adding folks, and getting people to really not just come along for the ride, but push the mission forward and push the company forward to get those right folks in place. Yeah, absolutely. For me, the most critical element is starts with the people. So if you're going to be a global enterprise serving a large group of global consumers, you cannot have a workforce that is just based out of Canada or North America. So at BlockPad, we've got employees out of India and Dublin and Barcelona and, you know, you know, we, Mexico, we've been looking at Africa right now. And so our employees have to be representative of our consumer base. And that's the number, that's the number one factor. Even in pre-COVID, we were always a remote, globally connected organization. And so when COVID hit for us, it didn't make much of a difference per se, because we were already attuned to operating in a very collaborative and connected manner. So that actually worked, it, you know, it didn't hamper or hinder our business in, any, in, in that way. The second thing you need to do is, especially when you're an organization serving consumers in different parts of the world, is you've got to have a good, you know, you've got to be in touch. You've got to have a good pulse of what's going on. And a key part of that, Jordan, is to always, you know, keep the consumer challenge and the business problem that you're looking to solve front and center. Because it's very easy to get bogged down and sometimes in the, in, you know, technology requirements, you know, timeline delays, business model stuff. But if you keep the consumer problem and the business objective front and center, irrespective of the country you're looking to do your business operations in, it really makes everything that much more easier and seamless because we all are focused on one greater objective. I love that, right? Is like having the objective and like the values of the company really front and center because if there's any question that comes up that's 
specific to that area, that person that it's like, oh, does it align with the mission? Does it align with our mission? Is it something that our values align with? And then now it's just like to your point, if you hire the right people, they're going to be able to make that decision and tie it back. So you don't have to worry about if a person is wondering like, you know, like the little minutia on the day to day where you're like, does it align with the values or does it help the mission? Okay, cool. Like, and then that team empowerment is just so, so important. And it's cool to hear because I'm always interested, you know, with global organizations, multiple time zones, how to keep a pulse, but also, which I think is one of the challenges of a lot of people, but how to let go of control, right? Mm -hmm. It's like... And to really have that belief in our teams to execute against the mission. So that would be kind of leading me to my final question is when it comes to hiring, how is that done? Is that what I would think? You put out an ad, get somebody on or like if you're going to go hire someone in, let's say, um, Ghana, right? And you're looking at the city of, I might say this wrong, Accra or Accra. It's like how would going and finding talent there, like how does that look for me? from an organizational standpoint? You know, it's one thing, you know, coming, you asked me very early on what some of the things that you've learned coming from a big, large institution like Procter & Gamble to something like, you know, a company like Blockbell, which is more technology focused. It is amazing what I've learned in the power of your network. When you are hiring such a diverse workforce, everyone knows someone. So our first step at Blockbell, funny enough, is not to actually put up a job posting on our website or on LinkedIn or get a recruiter out there. Our first thing is to actually ask our employees and be like, I'm looking for a UI UX designer, ideally based out of India. Even though our headquarters is in Mumbai, the person can be based out of anywhere. Do you know anyone you recommend? And we reach out to our network first. The people that we know we can trust, people who have worked with someone. And the number of people that we've actually hired just through that has been absolutely astonishing. Of course, in the in the absence of that, we would, of course, follow much more formal protocols, such as, of course, getting a recruiter or something. But even in that, we will typically go on to smaller, like a startup technology-focused platforms that we're looking to hire because we're looking to hire people who have agility, creativity, and an innovative, collaborative mindset from the very beginning. So if you are working and are used to an, a rigid process and a rigid structure, then you might even struggle to work in a company like Blockpile, which is very fluid in nature and inherently a very collaborative organization. I will tell people, all the listeners over here is, don't underestimate the power of your network and the power of just your, your employees' network, because it's amazing how much talent and how much hidden opportunity is just through that first step. I love that. And it's so true, right? It's sometimes those people closest to us, they have a network. And also if they're vouching for people, that just helps tremendously. So I love that as a technique and and something to help, you know, grow, especially when you're in a startup and you're looking for people who can be pillars of the company. And hey, it's exactly, you know, a UX UI designer who's here, like who kind of gets or is in line with what we're doing and they're, they in their head go, oh, person A is perfect for this. Those types of, it's invaluable really when it comes down to, because not only are you getting a great person in, but the time saved is is tremendous with the vetting. So that's a cool thing. And I like that I'm probably going to apply that myself. So <laughs> and it's amazing, Jordan, that, that rule for us has been has proven to be so effective. And we've even hired law firms and PR agencies just through our network, right? Because if, if you work at the law firm that you've enjoyed with, you know, they are you know on the mark, then you're like, perfect. That's exactly the qualities that I'm looking for in mine. And of course, you still do your own level of due diligence and you interview and stuff like that. But that initial search phase gets, you know, gets so much more simplified and streamlined because of the referral system that has come through people you trust and know. 
And it becomes a snowball downhill too, right? When those exactly. next people come in, it's just the network bigger and bigger. Amazing. So Sean, before I let you go, let people know where can they learn more about BlockPal and also connect with you online? Absolutely. So the best place to learn about BlockPal is our website. And of course, if you want to connect with me online, LinkedIn is fantastic, as well as you know Twitter. Yeah, we've just recently announced that we're going to be going public soon. Our operations in India, Mexico, Canada are already live and doing well. So we've got some exciting things ahead over the next six to eight months. And so uh, looking to learn more about global operations and financial inclusion, just hit me up. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jordan. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time. Um.